0: Welcome, everyone, to the Carry On cast. I am Pastor Megan Torgerson, and I am so glad to be here with you today, in particular because I have a special guest with me here today. Pastor Liesl Spitz is a pastor in St. Paul. Liesl, say hello. Hey, everyone. Hi. We're so glad to have you as well. And folks, as you know, uh, when you listen to this podcast, you usually listen to me and um, other dudes. So it is a, a just joy upon joy for me to be able to talk to another female. You get to hear a, another female voice in the podcast studio today. Um, Lisa, thanks for being with us today. You bet. I am
1: here. I am a woman and I'm glad to be here.
0: All three <laughs> things, all three things are true. All these things are accurate. Um, Lisa, tell us a, a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, about who you are. Yeah. So I know Megan
1: through a text study of awesome female pastors, and I'm a pastor at St. Timothy Lutheran Church in St. Paul, which is in the Como Park area. I have been there um, for almost two years in October. I have an awesome colleague um that's my first call so I came to Minnesota to do internship and before that I lived I grew up in California and I lived for a while on the east coast so I am still very much a newcomer in this state getting to know the culture and the beautiful outdoors here um yeah and I'm I am learning how to be a pastor so I'm really grateful to be here and really glad to have Megan as a colleague.
0: I, and I feel the same about Lisa. And I don't know if if Lisa, we've talked about that your colleague was also my my first call uh, mentor pastor, right? Have we had that conversation yet?
1: That's right. Yeah, Hans said, Yeah, he told me that he knew you through that. So that's really cool.
0: Yes, and and friends, that's just a reminder that the Lutheran world, especially in the Upper Midwest, is often way too small so uh lisa welcome to minnesotan culture where unfortunately it seems too many people know know too many people in common
1: uh yeah that's very true (laughs) i grew up in the missouri senate and so i also feel very much a newcomer to the elca when it comes to knowing all the people
0: (laughs) yeah yeah a totally different um, like system and church and series of connections right oh
1: yeah 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 very different history and um but it's all good. It's kind of nice to, to feel uh, like a learner of all of these things, especially when it comes to institutions and all of their weight. So like, really, is that how it is? Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Not logical, yeah. But I'll, I'll be the first to say that. But here we are. And this is um, how we do
0: things here. Huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If uh, yeah. a little peek behind the curtain, Liesl, is even those of us who are much more insiders to the system uh feel the same way, but we just we just don't say it out loud. We wait for folks who are new to the system to to observe it for us. So thank you for giving us space to go, huh? That's really how we do it, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh. oh, and Liesl um is uh, as you heard, she's a she's a pastor as well. And so uh, one of the things we do together, like she mentioned, was we do a text study with a, a group of other pastors. Um, I, I'm I'm there most weeks. I'm there most weeks. Um, but, but part of the reason we get together, first of all, it's you know collegiality and support, but but also to talk about and plan for writing our sermons. Uh, that's for pastors in particular. That's what a text study uh, is most often is a time to talk about a text and to consider how we might preach and share that word in our context. Well, if you've been paying attention this summer, friends, you know that we are in A long sermon series through this summer called Renewing Worship. And we are talking about all these different elements of worship. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about confessing the creed. We've talked about music, all these things that make a worship service what it is, and how they renew us and how we might renew them as we continue to discern who God calls us to be in the world. And this week, we get to talk about sermons. So, Lisa, if you're ready for it to get weird, here's two preachers who get to talk about preaching a, a sermon about preaching. I'm into it. Yeah, it's kind of kind of meta. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, I mean, you've been preaching for a few years now. How how has that how has that felt for you? How's it felt to settle into that work and role? Yeah.
1: I feel like preaching is just an enormous, enormous privilege. Um, My partner is also an artist and um, he writes music and is always longing to perform it and find ways to perform it. And it what I've come to realize is the privilege of preaching is that we are given a specific prompt and constraints. We know who our audience is and there's a really tight time frame. <laughs> and all of those things, they can, I think, feel challenging. Each of them can feel challenging, but I feel like in the creative and artistic process, those constraints are actually what allow you to be generative and feel like there's flow ultimately. And so to be in a relationship with something really specific, which is the Bible, as varied and layered as the Bible is. And then know who i'm preaching to and know that like come sunday morning something's going to come out whether it's what i planned or not and whether i felt ready or not or felt confident or not it's happening and so just to have that kind of creative process before me every week or every other week or whatever it is is enormously meaningful and um yeah just an incredible gift as part of the vocation of being a pastor. I feel so lucky. It's a very fulfilling process for me. It's, how about for you, Megan? Well, and that's yeah. what's
0: funny is, Lisa. I think for the first time I've heard, I mean, just listening to you speak just now, you named kind of that there is this, this set of boundaries to preaching a sermon, you know, the length of time, when it's due, the audience to whom you will speak these words, um, but how, those constraints can be actually meaningful, can be um, even inspirational as you consider what it is you are being called to say and and reflect on in the boundaries of that sermon, place, and time.
1: Surely, yeah, and and like any artistic process, I feel like making one set of constraints or choices as as, uh, difficult as that can be, it allows for a lot more creativity on the other side so a sermon can be a lot of things and it can, I mean, you just take 10 minutes of audio or 15. I mean, that can be so many different things, but um, it's grounded in the truth of God's gospel for us. And other than that, <laughs> it can be a lot, it can be like very personal. It could be very educational. It could be something that is, you um, creative in terms of like including music or poetry or something like that or it could be more of like making an argument and I mean we've I don't know about you but I, I feel like I've experienced a huge range of what a sermon can be and um, yeah that just just having like that I'm imagining like a shoebox <laughs> I me and saying like here's what you get here's your container now fill it and that um it's fun. I mean it's it's fun except for like, you know, Thursday night when you have to like record Friday morning or something like that. That's there's always like a very painful period in the week of preaching that's like, oh, if I can just get that like middle third of it written then the rest will flow. But overall, it's just such a beautiful project to be a part of, which is like, here's the gospel. And our job is to continually speak it into the world and let it be a living thing through our lives, through the lives of our communities and, and to let the spirit sort of flow through that and stay super humble about it in the meantime, (laughs) because like, like Paul is saying in the text, we're going to talk about today, like this is not about human wisdom or strength. This is about God.
0: So That's Lisa. like the perfect lead-in, because if we're going to be talking about, if if a sermon can indeed be many things, but has a certain set of kind of parameters on what it should also be, um, I think Paul, in like you said, the reading that we're about to hear this morning, speaks well to one of the most important boundaries of what we as preachers want to keep in our hearts and minds, as we prepare these words and then, you know, share them with the congregation. Um, and that ultimately is Christ and him crucified. But I am now taking the words out of Paul's mouth or rather from his pen uh, because the first, uh, the letter to first Corinthians friends, you'll remember is a letter. It was, we're, we're eavesdropping basically on his private communication with a, a congregation in Corinth um, that was facing conflict. That was, was trying to figure out how they made decisions, uh, who got priority, who was supposed to be listening to whom. And and Paul really comes out the gate strong with this reminder of this is the thing that's most important. This is the word that you share. This is the thing on which you build your community. And with that, Liesl, would you uh, read for us the lesson for Sunday, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 through 25.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Here ends the reading. And at St. Tim's, we say, God is not done speaking. We will keep pondering.
0: Ooh, Liesl. That's, I like that.
1: Did I miss a word, or is
0: Paul's words? No. <laughs> Paul's, like, Paul's words are so hard to confusing. read. This is this is one thing that people are going to keep hearing from me over and over is that I get that Paul, you know, has this huge outsized influence on on Christian theology, and I find him just infinitely frustrating to read for so many reasons, not the least of which being that an English translation of his obtuse Greek writing is so impossible. It's all like run on sentences and articles that connected <laughs> to a sentence five lines back. Like it's so, it's so. I know, tried to Twenty-four, and I right. was like, "Did I miss a verb? <laughs> right? Is that right? Is that what? Is that what is? Is there a typo in the NRSV? What just happened here?" Nope, that's just Paul. Um, yeah, because he's 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 dense and he's word, and I mean dense as in thick, not dense as in you know not particularly bright. He's obviously very bright. Um, perhaps too bright, um, inaccessibly so in some cases. Um, but what I love, I mean, I, I almost wanted to like just stop you, Liesl, when you wrote, uh, when you read what he wrote, which is, um, you know, I, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. I wanted to pause and say, remember friends, that this means that the preacher's job is not to be the most smartest in the room. (laughs) A sermon is not about, uh, you know, trying to challenge Paul for intellectual prowess. It's, it's about, it's about proclaiming this message ultimately centered in, in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, And you might not say it, best or smartest or, or, or wisest or most, I mean, it's not about a preacher being the most performative or exciting. I'm not trying to let us off the hook. I realize that we want people to, we want to be listenable, (laughs) but that what it always points back to is, is the power of God known in the cross of Jesus Christ in, in God's love and and sacrifice and and gift of love and life to us in that like that's the central thing that's the most important thing so it's not about us being you know uh, these magicians that perform each week and and get you all riled up and excited but about us constantly pointing back to that word to that message kind of like you said lisa like that's one of the parameters of this message right like i'm not going to talk about just anything in a sermon. I'm going to make sure that I'm always pointing back to the God we know in Jesus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That phrase really struck out to me too. Not with eloquent wisdom and i It's so hard to um, be specific about what that can mean for us because I can think of counter examples. I mean, just like Paul's like, not like the Jews and not like the Greeks. I'm like, well, not like the mega evangelical churches and not like the, you know, like hyper intellectual. Right, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, calling out to denominations, but I feel like there's counterexamples that I can think of of like, well, it's definitely not a flashy PowerPoint and it's definitely not about being like delivering an academic speech or something. On the other hand, then what is it? Because it's not like I... This, this really brought up for me an old, like in seminary, I was always swirling around in my head and before I was a theater major and it was like, what is be- what, what how are beauty and truth linked? Like if something is true, does that make it beautiful? And if something's beautiful, does that make it true? And ultimately I feel like where I landed on that was like, um, they're related, but they're not actually they don't prove each other, especially because if something is beautiful, it doesn't actually, that can actually deceive. It can make it seem like something's true, but it's not, it's just beautiful. Not that beauty isn't like, anyway. So point being like, yes, beauty has a really important relationship to what's true, but if you're sticking with, if you're starting and ending with what's true, it might actually feel bad. Yeah. Or it yeah. might feel really disjointed, like Paul's saying, from the wisdom of the world, it might feel like um, clunky or awkward. And um, so, but how do we help people receive the truth with, with beauty surrounding it? I, and that this is like getting way, way too theoretical, but no, I um, think it's
0: totally, I mean, it's totally appropriate, right? Because when you talk about when you talk about what is a sermon for, what does it do? What does it mean? I think as listeners to sermons, we've all heard sermons that leaned too hard into the, into the beauty of it, right? And not that that's a, I mean, I love don't, i love beauty, don't get me wrong, but you realize when you walked away from the sermon that it was kind of all flash but what did you actually hear about God? You know, how was your faith challenged? How was, how was your heart comforted? How were you pulled together as community and sent back out as, as servants of God in the world? It was really pretty and nice to listen to, but it didn't have that, that depth to it that you also really needed. And I think too, we've also heard sermons that, you know, were intellectually solid, five perfect points, knew the knew the text, had it all landed. And somehow that's all there was, you know, there wasn't kind of this sense of, of, of inspiration and motivation and, and encouragement and challenge beyond the words. There is this kind of meeting exercise. Yeah. Yeah. There's this kind of meeting place for a sermon where it's, where it's a little bit of both and it's a hard, it can be a really hard balance to strike.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like the way for me, the way to cut through all of that is like, is this coming from the heart? And like, is this something that is both true and authentic to the person who's speaking it and yeah. to their audience? Yeah. And um, you can feel that in someone when it's coming from a place of genuine love <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> for the people yeah. that they're speaking
1: to. So
0: it can be one of the challenges, I think, um, especially if you're a new preacher to a place, Um, which you and I both are in our own ways. Um, Or um, if you are someone who is a a guest preacher in a place, um, Easter folks, we've had a few excellent guest preachers. Um, But in both cases, it means that you are someone that's not always, you know, deeply rooted in the community, you're getting to know the community. And so sometimes that preaching task can be a, a little more work, because you're still trying to figure out those people in that place and saying, all right, what is what is God calling us to be together? Like who, who are these people and how is God active among them? And what does that mean for the word that this text and this day brings to us here?
1: Right. Yeah. And even if you know people, which I haven't been in a situation yet, I mean, two years is something, but I feel like it's still just like taking hints and clues and like little, you know, little pieces of conversations. Cause how are you ever going to really know how a congregation of like, 100 or i mean i don't even know how big easter is how are you gonna have the pulse of a community that large you have to sort of like take these clues as they come and piece them together as a narrative of like oh well i, I heard this two or three times this week maybe that's what's really maybe other people are feeling that way too um so and yeah it's not a science
0: <laughs> no 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 and it's a and there is a, a level of challenge i think as a listener Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, the odds are real good that you're not usually a preacher. You're usually one who listens to a sermon. So, I mean, Liesl and I here as preachers know that, you know, we're giving you our perspective as as people who preach, Um, but you... Podcast listener are, are one who typically hears a sermon, and I think what what Liesl is pointing out here is is something worth holding on to as one who listens to sermons, which is that they don't exist in isolation. You know, it's not just I showed up and here's the speech I heard today, but it's this kind of continuing word of what, what is God bringing to us as a congregation? What what challenge are we hearing? What comfort are we receiving? What is this meaning for us as community? And so, like Lisl said, you know, if you're hearing something pop up in a few places, or you're hearing it a few times, so hey, to connect those those sermons. Sermons are not isolated events. It's okay to put them together and say, well, gosh, what is what is God up to here? What what word am I hearing? What does this mean for us as a community? What does this mean for me as an individual? Um, it's, it's active work to listen to a sermon. Um, hopefully, um, I, I, I hope it's not too, too much more challenging than writing the sermon itself, gosh, because sometimes that can be laborious, but, um, but I do hope it's something you spend some time on and some energy on and some reflection on. I think it's I think it's worth it for us listening to sermons as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One hundred percent. We could do a whole other conversation about what it's like to listen to sermons and to try mm-hmm. to glean things and carry them with us because I'm not. I don't pretend to be the person who on Thursday can tell you what was preached on Sunday, you know, in my time as a congregant, hopefully now if I preach the sermon on Sunday, I'm like, I could remember a few themes, but, um, but yeah, that's a, it's a whole other project. And I would love, I'm so curious for your listeners, what, what it's like for them and um, for my congregants too. I feel like that's that's something we always have to keep reflecting back to is what, what are you actually listening for and how is this going for you? So. But I'm grateful to all of your listeners here yes. and to lend my voice to this yes. uh, conversation. So, well,
0: and, and thank you, Liesl. And folks, as you're listening at home, remember to, to Liesl's challenge of, you know, what does it feel like to listen to a sermon? We invite your feedback. If you want to send us a note, you can send us an email here and let us know what's it like to listen to a sermon. And maybe we'll even take Liesl up on the offer someday to talk about not just what it's like to give a sermon, but what it's like to listen to a sermon. Keep us preachers honest, friends. Um, Liesl, thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for the invitation, Megan, and um, my best to your community. Grace and peace to all of
0: you at Easter. Oh, thank you. And folks, thank you for being with us today at the Carry On Cast. Here at Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Thanks, everybody. May the rise. On.